Hey everybody, before we get started, uh, in this episode we talk about The Last Duel, which covers the topic of sexual assault on a character. Um, so this is just a trigger warning before the podcast officially starts. We do it later on in the f- podcast as well, but I just wanted to put it out there. So thanks for listening to this episode, and I do hope you enjoy Hey, welcome to the Moviecation Podcast, the only podcast on the internet that likes to live moss. I'm Brady. I'm Joe. I'm Tyler. Cole's not with us tonight because he lived moss a little too much. (laughs) And Baja blasted his septic tank out of the world. (laughs) Now he has to go chase it or something like that i don't know fuck you mean a <laughs> i was gonna do that too but i couldn't pull it off <laughs> a that horse you meat got know to what him. a jpeg is <laughs> that boy ain't right no little picture of a hot dog <laughs> you guys doing doing all right not bad bradley how are you good I'm I'm really good. I'm really good. Good to hear, man. Good to hear. Good. So, how about uh, you, Joe? How you doing? Yeah, I'm okay. But no one cares. Yeah, I don't think so. I do. I care, Joe. Thanks, buddy. You're I kind of care. He has to care because he's in the band, you know. So, uh, yeah. I mean, that's all the more reason for me to not care. <laughs> True. True. Speaking of speaking band, of band, our boy we, John Massey had about... his baby real quick. Oh yeah. Yeah, oh, he, had his, uh, he had his baby, little Daniel Lee Massey. Congrats. You know what John that Massey. baby probably knows? Yeah. It's the fact that you wrote a song about Dr. Manhattan and then you told someone else that they can't reference something. <laughs> I, I, I don't He was born knowing that. I was Here's actually in the delivery room and I told him. <laughs> as soon as he came out, that was what I said. When you meet Uncle Joe, Here, this is what you're going to say. The, thing, the, the way I meant it was like, it's like he's reading in a sense. He's like, Alice went down the hole. Alice did this. She followed. He followed the rabbit. And I was like, no, not that way, man. Yeah, I, I got you. Yeah, but, but yeah. to be fair, to be fair, most lyrics without music read like that, no matter what. True. True. But also, I got nobody that. knows what we're talking about, and Cole's not here to defend himself. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna, he's gonna write an opus, and you're gonna make the riffs for it, so it's okay. Okay. Fair enough. He's gonna make yeah. rhyme in the ancient mariner by Iron Maiden Part Two. <laughs> Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> Wait, no, there already is a part two to that. The whole song's like six parts. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's either one long 13 minute song or they literally spread they literally tell you the story of the rhyme and the ancient mariner just spread out over the whole album. It could go either way with them. It, it's on Power Slave, I know that, which yeah, is I don't the like one Iron has, Maiden. So the only reason I ever listened to them was because my stepbrother liked them and the only songs I really listen to by him, other than Number of the Beast, which is overrated, yep. um, is Ace is High, which is a decent song. But That's a good song. I'm more of a Judas Priest fan. Same. First two Iron Maiden albums are awesome, though. The ones without Bruce Dickinson, oddly <laughs> enough. <laughs> the one before they got the plane. <laughs> All right, so we have a. Uh, well, what do we got on the on the on the docket today here, Brady? 
we, we got a surprise topic in three movies, which could have been four. Yeah, well, shut up. <laughs> it just came out. Give us 20 minutes to watch it. Jesus Christ. No, I stretched it. I stretched it. I was going to go see it on Thursday. Then I decided not to. So mm-hmm. then I stretched okay. it to, I was going to go Saturday or Friday, but I had a doctor's appointment and decided not to. And I was going to go see it Saturday. And I've been waiting a month to talk about X, even though it just came out like three days ago. And then fucking, I just like, fuck it, going 11 a.m. on a Sunday. Yes, were you like one of four people in that theater when you watched it? Yes. (laughs) See, give us a minute, man. Fuck. (laughs) It surprisingly made a lot of money this weekend, though. Really? Between the, and there was another horror movie that came out this weekend called like Uma. Um, with Sandra O oh in it, hmm. I like Sandra and it, oh. and it it's... only made like nine hundred nineteen thousand dollars versus Ooh. X is like four point four million. Okay, that's not the one that's all like talking about the multiverse and stuff like that, is it? No, that one. No, okay, comes out like later this month. But okay, I know I was, what you're talking about. I was gonna say, I there's no way that's out for it with like Jamie Lee Curtis in it. Yeah. Yeah, it looks I was, good. I want to see it, honestly. What the fuck is this? Well, they put a, I think it's a Facebook only ad or like a social media only ad mm-hmm. where they legit word for word and almost like scene recreate the Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness trailer. <laughs> like they show the glass shattering scenes and everything. And it's like the multiverse, yeah, no that. one can understand it. I was like, what the hell are they doing? <laughs> Banking awesome. off what works, man. Banking off the, what works. The poster the poster for it makes me uncomfortable because it's literally just a bunch of eyeballs i don't know what the movie's <laughs> called but the poster has a bunch of eyeballs on it it's another a24 release yeah, which, yeah. I, i'm by the, the way man, back so a24 is killing it right now and they are smart with some of their ideas that they're willing to green light like the like one thing i will say about x and i joe was shitting on me earlier because he's a spoiler but it's been announced before i even said anything never is the fact it. that like uh so x was filmed in australia mm-hmm. and they did have to do like a quarantine uh like thing for covid because right. most productions are hitting that and so ty west the director was really bored sitting in quarantine so he wrote a prequel to the fucking movie while he was in quarantine sent it over to a24 it was like hey I wrote this uh, as a prequel to the movie. You're already letting me film. Well, you like it? And they're like, yeah, we really like it. He's like, cool, because I kind of also already filmed it too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I already man. made this movie. Just heads up. <laughs> so, but it was so, it was so genius too. Yeah, but when you guys go see it, make sure you stay after the credits. Cool. Okay. Like all the way after the credits. Cool. Um, like until they start showing it again. What? Like until they start showing it again. <laughs> Right. <laughs> to stay in I the mean, theater. <laughs> anyway, uh, so surprise topic for you. Uh, you know, Jared Little, you know, the 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 man who sings for three three fucking 30 seconds tomorrow. So I almost said three days grace or three doors down. Uh uh-huh, they're uh-huh. all the same, they're all butt rock. Um <laughs> Okay. Anyway, get on. Good. Go on. His his face is the map of the world. You know, you know, it's fucking kings and queens. I don't know. Colt from Leader, yesterday, Jared Leto. <laughs> Colt Leader, Jared Leto, <laughs> the best Joker in the world, Jared Leto. No, I'm eh. Just kidding. Okay, um, you lost me. You're really losing me. Hurry up, get to your point. <laughs> this dude went and did an interview 
Now, this quote is not from yesterday, just so you know. <laughs> anyway, this dude did an interview and said that if it wasn't for the MCU, that the theater industry would be dead and movie theaters wouldn't exist anymore. No. And I hard disagree <laughs> with him. Yeah, yeah, I disagree. I disagree. I think he only said it because he's in an MCU adjacent movie. Yeah, he like, is. Morbius. Morbius. Oh, that's right. Man. Although I think that's more of Sony's extended universe than yeah, it's yeah. Marvel's, but but Michael Keaton and I know they're going to do multiverse and all that, but it, that comes out before multiverse, and Michael Keaton's in this one in Morbius, mm-hmm. so as Vulture, I don't know MCU I, I don't, adjacent. Yeah, I don't know. Is, is he trying to imply like if we just take away the MCU and leave everything else, that movie theaters would have died? Yeah. No. No. I mean. <laughs> Fucking Star Wars, hello, right? <laughs> you got Star Wars. D- well, then the DC with fucking thrive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, not even like um franchise films either. Just like there's a lot of like like Little X, main things. like yeah. like X, like licorice pizza. Like you were they saying, A twenty four. Like yeah, A twenty four would great keep the movie business like going. Yeah. yeah. Because not every film they make is the exact same fucking movie, Marvel. Um, you know, it's it's they they release a drama a year, they release a comedy a year, they release something quirky. Movies movie theaters were just fine before the MCU. What what would make them any different? Yeah, exactly. That was my other thing too. Was like, did they not exist? But like, what are you trying to say here? Like, he's just an idiot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, you would they would thrive. I mean, think about like. Let's just say, okay, take away the MCU and say DC gave Christopher Nolan all the power and let him do something like they could have done post, you know, Batman trilogy, something like that. Or just look, but just look at every other movie that's come out since then. Like, that's just, I don't see how, what his point is, because at the end, movies were just fine. Theaters were just fine before the MCU. What would make them any different? You could exactly. make the argument that, like, you know, it it certainly helps it a lot. I mean, yeah, I'll give you that. Pretty much a guaranteed, like, almost a billion dollars a movie, pretty much. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, like that argument you can make, but it's not going to just completely go away if you took the MCU out. No, definitely not at all. When does Morbius come out anyway? April Soon, 1st. Right? Oh, God. What a joke of a movie. Ah. Uh, huh. I made a joke about a joke. Uh-huh. On joke day. <laughs> who, lets me, who lets me talk on a microphone during this damn thing? Come on now. I don't know. <laughs> I don't lo- know who lets you have a microphone when we play. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> okay, so here it says, this is from the independent.co.uk. It says, Jared Leto says, cinemas wouldn't exist without Marvel movies. And the exact quote is, if it wasn't for Marvel films, I don't even know if theaters would exist. It doesn't seem like there's room for everyone. And that starts to become a little heartbreaking. What do you mean there's, room for everyone? No. Yeah. yeah. What does it mean? If anything, there's, there's a no big room. chunk of people in this podcast, mainly me, that don't want to go see every fucking MCU movie out there. There's no room in MCU movies anymore to build like storylines because there's so many fucking people in them now in there now. Leto also said that he was a bit of a snob when it comes to his taste in film and that he was drawn to titular 
to the titular role, role in Morbius because the character is an outsider. So how can you be a snob when it comes oh to film, but say, but say the movie theaters wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the, for the MCU, the most generic copy and paste making of films in the entire industry. That makes no sense. Give me one second. Everything about that about- last sentence you read is the most pretentious shit I've ever heard. <laughs> like, dude, like, is he trying to, like, save himself from, like, the Joker hate? Like, he already knows this movie's going to be shit, so he's got to draw up controversy and be like, hey, remember when I said this? <laughs> Probably. Because, <laughs> like, there's a reason Sony keeps pushing it back yeah (laughs) i know i okay i know covid was like the first couple times yeah but when it was supposed to come out like what october of last year or whatever and got pushed back and then it was supposed to come out in january of this year and got pushed back to april and then even at right after they pushed it into april they were still like we might push it back again but they decided to keep it yeah jared leto's just lost his mind man like he started that damn 30 seconds to Mars cult and stuff like that. Like he's just, he's not all there anymore. I don't know if he ever was. I don't really pay attention to the guy that much, but yeah, something's definitely just wrong with him at this point. It's just like, what does he think movie theaters were before the MCU? Well, from the sound of it, he's never fucking gone to see a movie. So and that's fucking crazy to me because he's in one of the most successful. I mean, it's popular with like the most generic ass movie fans ever. And that's fucking Fight Club. He's in Fight Club. Yeah. You know pe- how many people talk about he's Fight in that Club? Movie. Uh, he gets his face fucked up and it's kind no, of. No, I don't, I don't know how many people talk about it. Yeah, nobody should talk mm-hmm, about Fight Club. Yeah, nobody should talk mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. God, mm-hmm. Idiot. <laughs> anyway. But, like, my point is, is, like, if you ask anybody that, like, goes to a film school or just anybody that says they like movies in general and you're like, hey, what's your favorite movie or or something like that, the, I guarantee you're going to get two answers, Bike Club or Pulp Fiction. Yep. I know a guy whose favorite movie he went to film school was Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And I don't think, <laughs> well, I think Howard the Duck's not too far after that. Probably not. <laughs> I miss you, Cole. but like i just the mcu i know it's what 12 years old 10 12 years old now 13 i don't know 2008 so like i don't know 15 because 2018 was whenever uh was 20 infinity war came out right yeah and then so we're like we're at like 15 years i think right now yeah somewhere around there for a film franchise that's fairly new still and they're also here's the, the here's the other thing they're like what 72 films deep don't say that yeah <laughs> no, no, no they're not <laughs> it's not so much like <laughs> but 20? look at it this way look at it this way like joe going back to what joe said star wars star wars wasn't a, like a global franchise really until the prequels came out and that was good 30 years in between the films 27 mcu films let's let's think about it this way let's uh, so let's say take away the mcu right 
that means uh, like Disney wouldn't have interest in it and Marvel per se to do these type of movies so they don't purchase the franchise you know the, the overall company that way so they're not making enough money to go out and so purchase, they would st- stick to, to their Lucas old ways films. of leasing them out yeah so would we even have another Star Wars though yeah would Lucas come around and make another trilogy his vision was always nine films okay have you heard yeah, his like you're right. You're right. have My you bad. heard his vision for those last three films though look i'm not saying like his vision was good yeah, but he had ideas but he did have nine films and he was done with star wars whether so, like, they'd the be good or not though there. people would have whether they would be been good or not people would have still ate it up yeah but I, i'm pretty sure he said like after like how people reacted to the uh the prequels like he was he was done after that like he had ideas for three more he said god damn it he's he said uh i gotta take my old man pills i'm sorry (laughs) try not to die okay um he said back in the 80s when what was it jedi's the last one come out in the original trilogy right yeah right yeah he said back in the 80s when jedi came out that he was done with star wars then Mm -hmm. like there's there's a story on a few kevin smith podcasts around the time when like the newer star wars movie came out about the reason he was excited because he vividly remembers as a child going to see a movie with one of his friends going to see the last star wars movie with one of his friends and walking out of the theater crying and the the dad asked kevin why he was crying. He goes, because it's the last Star Wars ever. He said he's done after this. And like the kid was never allowed to hang out with Kevin again because he was weird. <laughs> but like that kid's weird. Don't hang around. <laughs> but point the point is, is George Lucas has always said after after the end of each trilogy, I'm done with Star Wars. And what does he do? He comes back. Fair enough. Yeah. The, okay. So in that case, yeah, we would have gotten another uh, trilogy and people still would have ate it up. Yeah. So but like even then, like it if anything, I think the MCU, I'm not saying it's like all bad, but I do think it is a bit of a hindering to the movie theater industry. And that is because um lower films like like a movie like X, like a movie like Licorice Pizza. Like a movie like The Lighthouse, anything A24 put, not A24 as much anymore, because I do believe it is a very popular studio that people are aware of when their movies come out. But the point is, is if you put a movie that they put out next to an Avengers, the box office is not going to return well for it because yeah. Avengers is out. And, and I, I think like- that's why it's a hindrance to the theater industry is because it it doesn't get unless it's pushing other you are on an off weekend yeah Yeah, you're you're pushing other artists out of the way and if you're on an on weekend with the same like mcu movie your movie could be amazing but it's not going to show which means it's not going to get word to mouth and bring people in like yeah i i watched um kenneth brenoff's movie who plays gildalloy rockhart lockhart in the Harry Potter movies. He made a movie about growing up in Ireland um, called Belfast. Oh, yeah. 
Okay. It was all black and white and it was it was an amazing movie. It was funny. It was kind of uh depressing a little because it was during like uh that like what you two sang about Sunday Bloody Sunday. It was the, around the that troubles. time. Yeah, the troubles. That's I I couldn't think of the things. It was around that time that he was uh in but he was showing himself as a child growing up in that time. That movie would not have done well next to an Avengers movie. It got a lot of nods too for for nominations. But it right? got like yeah versus and I'm not saying I mean I do believe that like a Marvel movie at some point should get some form of nomination besides look at the pretty green screen that we put up you know yeah, yeah. but my point is, is like it doesn't give that type of movie a chance right and that was yeah. a really good movie and that movie deserves any chance as much as a marvel movie that's a shoe in for money yeah i would well, give you just just based on phrasing uh that doesn't hurt the theater industry that hurts the film industry <laughs> the theater does just fine whether it's a marvel movie or some yeah, smaller independent well, movie yes but but the know, idea is that theaters wouldn't exist because let's say artists would be yeah. more so that they don't want to make films because they're like oh marvel you know marvel and disney just push us out why yeah why it takes away like, exactly dude like you're totally right there like an artist is going to be like hmm i could spend all this money making my passion project or I could do this instead because who knows if this is going to work because what if I get pushed out because of this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's. Or like how bummed out do you think they are when they see that? Oh, Hey, uh, your release dates that, you know, the company tells them your release dates will be this day, this weekend. And it's the weekend of a same MC, like I'm an MCU movie. You're like, fuck, I'm fucked. Yeah. And it's not even like just like little studios that are being affected yeah look at like some bigger like universal movies and shit that have pushed themselves back like fast and furious got pushed back because they didn't want to compete with whatever i think like black widow last year so they pushed themselves like two months and you know what i mean yeah or not black Widow. it might have been like shang chi or whatever but like but still the fact that like these bigger studios are now like i don't know if we're gonna make money if we go up against this Let's push ourselves back so we have a chance. Mm-hmm. And the people who are like excited for that movie, they see it gets pushed by them like, fuck. And they forget about it. Yeah. So, uh, my question is, you know, does it help? Did the MCU help kind of advance theaters into what they are now? Or had we not did that, had they not been in around, would they still be the same way? Like, look at how theaters were so... Uh, pushing to get like the sale of like food like dinner food and alcohol and other things like that in the theaters and whoever can get that faster people will go to that theater first because they're like oh yeah if we can go to that theater, I like that theater but that one sells alcohol and i can drink during a movie sure i don't know if that's the mcu necessarily because i do feel like that would have changed no matter what you think so i feel like that was always yeah. like a thing that would happen in the theater industry because Eventually, people are, I mean, times are changing. You're not going to sit there and eat just popcorn and a soda anymore. I beg you. you I mean, I <laughs> I totally agree. With, there's times where I just want to shove a thing of popcorn in my mouth and call it a day. But, like, there's also times where I'm like, oh, I can get some fucking cheese sticks? Nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and how and is, it, is, you know, the theater is just turning into such a, 
a full on outing now. Like, cause you know, you used to, you know, pay five bucks for a ticket, 10 bucks for some snacks and you're, you're on your way, but now you're paying 10, 12 bucks a ticket. You're buying a whole meal. Next thing you know, you're at the end of the night, you're 40 bucks deep just on yourself. If you're you know, getting the full meal snacks and stuff like that. Yeah. On a mule. Yep. <laughs> but I get what you're coming from. And yeah, I, I think he's, I think he's, terribly wrong in his take definitely well again i go down later in his quote where he says he's a snob about film well how can you be a snob about film but say something as stupid as that yeah <laughs> i can be a snob about film but you took the role for gangster joker like yeah. get out of here <laughs> he does realize that like one of his most successful movies in recent history is house of gucci because like and I don't mean like money wise. I mean like when people walked out of that movie, all they talked about was Jared Leto. So he's got to sit there and think like if Marvel wasn't here and movie theaters weren't here, would people be talking about Jared Leto and House of Gucci and how they want just a Jared Leto spinoff from House of Gucci and Ridley Scott is seriously considering it? Please don't. <laughs> don't, I don't support I'm, that I'm, man I'm, anymore. <laughs> I don't take Jared Little as serious as I feel like people do. It's hard to take him seriously because, like, you hear all the like I get he's a method actor and all this. You hear all this stupid shit about like him throwing a rat at Margot Robbie. He's like, "This is for you, Mrs. Queen." Or like for House of Gucci, you hear about him snorting adobo sauce to get into character. Like, yeah, that's I bathe with olive oil. Like, that's another thing. Method actors doing that kind of shit. Get out of here. Who the fuck's that for? Yeah, that's just being an asshole. That's not method acting. You There's can be some in times where without acting like that character. <laughs> but Bill Skarsgård, the guy who played the new version of Pennywise on the It movies, mm-hmm. stayed in makeup on set 24-7. But he would literally joke around and play with the kids so they weren't scared of him unless it was time to get scared. Yeah. Like uh... I think it's that. I think it's the first part of the new it, the the new it movies, where like the little girl like follows the balloon underneath the bleachers and like mm-hmm. he jumps out at her. I've seen like a behind the scenes thing where he does it real quick and then he quickly hugs her when they yell cut. He's like, "Are you okay? Are you okay?" She's like, "Yeah, that was great." <laughs> yeah, when they <laughs> like, uh... he was like he was in character, but he was still concerned that like this little girl might be scared. Yeah, I remember watching a uh, an interview of him on i forget which late show it was but he talked about how he wanted to be different first off so he showed up to the audition dressed as a clown because he wanted to stick out and he talks about how i think is he got lost so he's driving around in his car dressed as a clown and then trying to find the damn uh, uh stage to be on <laughs> then he talks about how the cast and crew kept him uh separated from the kids and uh they didn't want him they didn't want the kids to see him until they started filming the scenes with him and uh he didn't like that from what i remember what i if i remember he said he didn't like that that they kept him separated because yeah he didn't like that at first because he, he felt isolated and like he didn't want to scare the kids but the first scene they shot with him was when they were in the house and he comes out of the uh, the fridge contorted 
and then he uh he's on top of uh i forget the kid's name is it not richie but the the one that's like uh, his mom shelters him a lot uh he's on top stanley yeah he's on top of him he's like like yelling in his face and they said cut like the kid was legit scared and he's like panicking like are you okay okay like he's fine he goes "I'm, i'm okay but then, yeah, afterwards, he, he got to spend time with them finally. But originally, initially, they didn't want them to see each other just so they can keep the fear as real as can be when he first came out in that, in that scene because they wanted that real fear look. Um, as far as him staying and hanging around with them afterwards, yeah, that happened. Same thing with Tim Curry on the original uh, It movie. He would hang out in costume with the kids so he can get so they can get used to it and not be scared of him when he was dressed up. Kid's name is Georgie, isn't it? Georgie. Yeah. I think it's Georgie, yeah. No, Georgie is the 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 one that gets lost, the one they're looking for. Oh, okay. I I've never seen any of them. So <laughs> I'm just going by off of what I've I've heard. I think it's Richie. I remember correctly. Yeah. No, Richie's the kid from Stranger Things. Finn Wolfhard. Oh, that's right. I don't know. Anyway. Beep, beep, Richie. <laughs> but no, I mean, like, like you said, there's Method acting is a thing, but like it's kind of an asshole. Like Jared Little also method acted Dallas Buyers Club and like purposely lost all that weight. And like he's still that's why he looks so bad now, is because his body never recovered from it. That's why Matthew McConaughey looks kind of bad now because he also did it too. And their bodies never really recovered from it. To me, Jared Leto looks like Seth Rollins. But great value because I think yeah. I think Seth Rollins looks better. But there was, uh, get there the fuck out of here with method acting. Um, the only person that gets a pass for method acting is uh, Joaquin Phoenix. Hell yeah! <laughs> only he gets a pass. I think sadly it works for him because dude has had a fucking rough life. It's and, he's so good though. He's so good at what he does, and that's why it works for him. Is he can pull from that darkness? Yeah. I mean, he pull. I know for sure he pulls a lot from like just the loss of his brother, and that's where he's able yeah, to. For sure. I mean, he fucking named his kid like River something. Yeah. Like they were close, and like you're right though. Joaquin Phoenix, like he method acts. Like didn't he do like a a fake documentary where he went missing for a year and like yeah, where he's trying to become a, a rapper or something like that. <laughs> I don't remember what? that. Really? Yeah. Like I, uh, I remember I remember this movie that he did where like he would they didn't see like he did a movie he did like walk the line and then he disappeared for like a few years from acting. And then all of a sudden he came out with like this really big bushy beard and he's like, Oh yeah, I've been filming a movie this whole time. Yeah, he was on like, like some late night show and he looked like stoned out of his mind and stuff, like just wasn't yeah. all there. And uh it was all just a bit for some movie he was working on. Huh, I didn't know that. That's pretty cool. Don't remember which one it is, but that's enough about Jared Leto, I think. Yeah, though. I'm sticking Jared Leto. Same. Burn it down. Brady, where anyway. are we going? Yeah, Brady, where are we going? You're driving the car today. Studio 666. Ooh, good movie. That one's coming out soon on like digital and stuff too, Joe, so if you want to check it out. I do. I, I do want to watch that one and just... I know it was in theaters, and I know what's going on with it. Yeah, you you should watch it. I think you'd like it. I think it was one that like it was fun in theaters, but it's also not like you could have 
waited until digital too. I think yeah. you'll still get the same amount of like joy out of it. When I saw and the trailer, I was like, "Yeah, I don't want. I don't really want to go pay for that." My, and my thing is, the... my thing is because it to me, I was getting the vibe of Tenacious D. And I don't really care for Tenacious D. Yeah, I got that too. But other than um, Dave's acting, Dave acts just like Jack Black in this. Yeah, there's but... literally there's literally a scene where like it's like right after the first night they're there and like he starts getting hit with all these ideas he's like and he's like jumping around he's like are right, you so you come in and you go and then you come in and you're like and like this camera's like circling around because the band's standing in a circle and you're just watching jared leto or not your fuck dave Grohl go crazy and the whole time you're watching it you're just like this is exactly that scene from School of Rock where he's just like, you're not hardcoring. And you go over here, he's like, yeah. And he's like, it's the same exact scene. Just yeah, with it really fighting. is. <laughs> Fair enough. It was kind of bummed that Tenacious D wasn't in it, though. Yeah, I really expected them to like make some kind of cameo. but They had really good, ca- like, Carrie King is in it. Yeah. No shit. That, but... He dies. Yeah, but he's he dies in, in a oh, okay, beautiful way that. too. Oh, if so. he dies, all right, cool. <laughs> hey. Like, uh, so the the premise of the movie is they're um, recording their tenth studio album, which actually technically came out last year, and they rented a house in like somewhere in California, yeah. and when the uh, realtor was selling it to him she's like oh yeah by the way another band uses house for the same idea but they all like died or disappeared or something like that and that it's like in in the universe type band so like it wasn't a real band but they knew who they were talking about and so then um shit just starts popping off right after that it's a bit corny because like there's like a scene where they're like I don't I don't remember if it was a montage or if it was like a legit scene where they're I think it might have been like a tiny montage where they're like have you seen Dave lately he's been acting weird and like it's like two of the guys sitting in the studio like maybe we should play it like this and like Dave just float literally floats into frame (laughs) (laughs) and he's like no you need to hit the E minor and then floats right back out of the frame and you're just like what the fuck is this goofiness but like I'm, it's go ahead oh i was gonna say like i'd i'd say it it takes itself just seriously enough to be a good movie but it's still extremely goofy like it's it was beautifully done it's evil dead with a little bit of tenaciousness. mostly evil dead and the reason i say yeah. evil dead is because they literally have the book of the dead in it and they yep. literally <laughs> The, the way instead of like turning on a tape and someone reading the book of the dead out loud you turn on the tape and hear this demonic epic song and then like the tape starts going you need to finish the song finish the song and like yeah it's it's i loved it i would buy it on blu-ray because yeah. i would watch it multiple times a year shit was fun as fuck they end up recording like a 20 minute song and they just don't know how to end it. And so they just keep adding more and more to it. Like at one point they're so like fucking 30 dumb. minutes long. The dialogue. <laughs> what dialogue. Is that? I was trying okay. to fucking record a song. 
<laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> it needs more. So, <laughs> I do have uh, I do have notes. Uh, number one would be John Carpenter. He did the theme for the movie. <laughs> Fucking amazing. Roy Roy from Stone Sour did the score. The orga. Yeah. Nice. But John Carpenter did the theme, and uh, it's a pretty funny story how that happened. Um, so they went into Dave wrote the movie, and I read an interview with the Foo Fighters, like a couple of the members. The interviewer was like, um, "So was it easy to agree to do this movie?" And they're like, "After you've been in a band with Dave for twenty something years, you learn to just say yes mm-hmm. because." Because he doesn't really like steer like, us no wrong, an is what they said. Yeah, he knows right. where the money is. Yeah, he knows. Where, so he's like, "All right, guys, we're gonna make a horror movie." And they're like, "All right, cool. I guess we'll do that." And um, he told them all to like write down their their favorite horror movies and stuff. And of course, a lot of them wrote down like Halloween and shit like that. And uh, Dave wanted a different. Dave wanted like that Halloween type music one of their sound guys that goes on tour with them was like oh yeah a couple years ago when john carpenter was doing his run of tours for his solo album he uh i was his sound guy and i actually know his email if you want i can give it to you and you can email him and see if he'll do the movie and so dave being dave Grohl, emailed john carpenter and this is legit what he said he goes hey i'm dave Grohl." playing a band called the Foo Fighters. Uh, we're going to make a movie and I really like your movies and I wanted to know if you would do the theme score for us. And I guess John Carpenter emailed him back. He's like, this is the craziest fucking thing ever. Uh, he goes, I know who you are, Dave. You took my son out on tour like four years ago and I'm forever grateful for that. Uh, not fun. only will I... His son is Cody Carpenter. He's he's a musician. Um, most notably, I know him from his work with his dad because his solo albums are like another guy and Cody Carpenter and John Carpenter together. It's like three people making the music, but it's all okay. under John Carpenter. But um, his son was in a band that opened up for Foo Fighters, I guess. But he's like, not only will I do the theme for you, but can I be in the movie as well? So like after Carrie King dies, they bring in John Carpenter to like be their new tech. <laughs> and he's in a couple scenes and then he's not in the movie much, but yeah. So the John Carpenter thing was amazing. The dialogue while stupid, it was very stupid. Like you could tell there was either half a script or no script and they just kind of let him say what they wanted to say yeah um Jesus. while stupid <laughs> was legit funny i wrote a wild carrying king appears i love the cheesy cheesy 80s horror vibe surprisingly great horror vibes love the exorcist reference with the delivery guy who was that bill, bill Hader? no it was um or, uh, what's his name god damn it i got it go ahead go ahead and keep reading notes because they have him like like his head spin all the way around like yeah. Reagan does for like no reason at all just to do it. Um, the Lionel, <laughs> Lionel Richie has a cameo in it. Will Forte. That's who it was. Will Forte. Yeah. So, so Lionel yeah, Richie cameo is uh, genius. <laughs> so Dave, Dave is now in like day four of staying up all night, trying to write this song 
or write a song and he starts singing hello <laughs> and, and Lionel Richie like Adele's floats, hello? no like no, Lionel like Richie's hello okay. Okay. and Lionel Richie floats and goes shut the fuck up that's my song it's your own goddamn song and floats back what out the, <laughs> the reason that cameo happened is because so Dave Grohl came up with like the storyline for the movie but he hired two people who were actually write the movie and for whatever reason they decided to write the Lionel Richie cameo just because they thought it was funny and he goes well I actually know him personally here let me text him right now and I'll see if he wants to be in the movie <laughs> so he texted Lionel Dave Grohl texted Lionel Richie and goes hey you want to be in his movie and like immediately got yes I'll do it and he's like all right he's in <laughs> like it's just I know he's Dave Grohl, but it's kind of funny that he's just able to pull these things out, you yeah. know? <laughs> um, the movie actually, to me, I don't know about you, Tyler, did build up some tension, like oh, creepy yeah. tension, pretty Definitely. well. And I was surprised with that. Uh, the scene of Dave listening to Dream Window is is fun for me because it's literally every music fan when they hear something they love he's like down in this demonic like there's like a squirrel duct tape to the wall or some shit like that and he's listening to the fucking the demon song and he's just like yeah. and, and he's just like jamming out downstairs and i'm like hey i've done that in my room just listening to you know like dead heat and turnstile and shit like that like that's i've done that before so that was funny as hell to me um <laughs> I wrote down Dave gives me the vibe that he took acting lessons from Jack Black. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, I also wrote down my boy John Carpenter when he finally showed up on screen. Um, <laughs> having the Book of the Dead as a plot device as a reference and a reference to the Evil Dead, which was what the most, is, which is what this movie is trying to convey, convey was nice. Um, the raccoon coming alive was another silly ass reference to the Evil Dead. Because if you remember Evil Dead 2, the moose comes alive and is like, they're going to get you. They're going to get you. <laughs> fucking turns back into a moose. Um, and then the last note I wrote is that I need that fucking 30-minute doom metal track that they were writing to be real. Same. <laughs> it needs. It sounded so damn epic. I, I hope they, they did something with it. So Dave Grohl has said that he wants to do because dream window is um the fake band in the movie that goes missing right. or something like that but dave has said that he wants to be able to record at least an ep and release it like that of that type of music which he could do i mean if you know the foo fighters you know the first album was completely recorded and all that by dave on his own yep right. he it's literally like you know, the thing happened with Kurt and then he went into a room and recorded the first Foo Fighters album. He could even so just like, get like a bunch of people to do it. Like, uh, was it yeah, get, Probot that he was doing where he had like Lemmy and some other people? Like, yeah, there was, like, there was a different band had, each like song, except he was always on drums or something like that. I think but I mean, like, you can get Roy Mayorga to fucking do drums and he can play guitar and. He already released he already released a song on Spotify as Dream Window. It's like one yeah, song. Yeah, I think I think you showed me it. It was pretty good. I liked it. It was surprisingly like just fun. Yeah. Um 
So yeah, that's what I wrote down for that. You got to see that like by yourself in the theater, right? Like, I feel like you said yeah. there was like nobody else in there with you. <laughs> I think there was like maybe one other person. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't get a chance to take notes because like the theater that I saw it in was actually surprisingly full. So I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like, I'm glad this movie's doing well. <laughs> yeah, but you also, I mean, I know Austin is like the place to be in Texas as far as music goes, but Texas is very music oriented, I think. So maybe that's why. Yeah. Yeah, true. And I also went to like a college town theater to go see it on like a Sunday night. But yeah, they probably wouldn't. They're either coming back into town. That's the that's what the last thing they want to do. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, real quick, John, uh, John, Brady, have you seen John Carpenter live before? No, because his tickets are stupid expensive. Fair enough. Okay. Uh, last thing. I Plus, I don't think it. he ever came to Georgia when he was touring. Hmm. I think the closest uh, he came was in Nashville, maybe. I wanted to mention this just because it kind of reminded me about all of them since I was going to say, do you think the Foo Fighters will ever die? Like, when? at what point do they stop writing music? I can't see it. Yeah. Dave, I, Dave said he doesn't see it into it either. Yeah. I, kind of like, kind of like I feel like Dave Grohl would see drive himself stopping. crazy. <laughs> but the thing is, is like... um. The, the punchline of this entire movie was like, it's, it's kind of funny to me because back in like the 80s and shit like that, uh, Satanism was bad in rock music. And the whole punchline of this movie is Satan has been running the rock industry for years and you're all just slaves to him anyway. Yep. And so like, <laughs> that's a joke. Yeah, that's literally the whole joke <laughs> Satan, of the movie. Satan is bad? <laughs> Who would have thunk it? What? <laughs> Hang on. But, um, the end of the movie is like Dave goes solo. Like he kills his entire band and goes solo. Okay. Yep. And like <laughs> he immediately, immediately when the movie came out, did an interview. He was like, I never planned to go solo ever. Just so you know, like <laughs> <laughs> just had to cover my bases here. Not happening. So yet. I don't think Foo Fighters are going to go. I mean, they have multiple good albums. Like when yeah, I, when I they haven't yesterday, had a bad album. When I said yesterday that I didn't like Tool, like they have songs, it's because Tool, yes, they have songs. They don't have albums, yeah. in my opinion, but they have songs that I like. Whereas right. there's multiple albums by the Foo Fighters that I absolutely enjoy. One of them being one that came out like 10 years ago called like Sonic Highways. And it was such an awesome idea to go to a different studio in a bunch of cities, learn about the city, and then by write the end of the week, that. write a song about it mm-hmm. and bring in a big guest artist on yeah the only one that pissed me off was zach brown because they did nashville and they did zach brown i'm like he's from fucking georgia why is zach brown like i know his studio is in nashville and all that but like come on zach brown i was more pissed at zach brown than that but than like the fact that it was in nashville or anything like that it was just like this dude who literally has made his entire career being like i'm from georgia opens up a studio in nashville like come on yeah gonna be where the money's at yep mm. well then last thing before we Georgia. last thing before we move on to the to the movies and this is just random because i saw it earlier but did y'all see that rob zombie announced the tour with mudvayne with static x and yep. power man 5000 
And I was like, what fucking year is this? <laughs> yeah, my brother shared that on Facebook a little bit ago, I think, and I saw that. And I was like, huh. I can't Rob Zombie, like, making sure his brother's okay or something by bringing fucking Power Man with him? <laughs> Guess so. Because <laughs> like, his, his brother's the lead singer of Power Man 5000, if you didn't know yep, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just like, I was like, what fucking year what is this? What the fuck are they going to perform? Bombshell and like leave the stage right after that? Like, who, Carman? <laughs> yeah. They got Worlds Collide. <laughs> or yeah, Worlds Collide. <laughs> and Bombshell. They'll play their two big songs and leave the stage. I don't want to see, uh, I don't want to see. I can't Monday. even think, I can't even think of a song Static X is going to play because I've never, like, I know them, but I've never push it, listen to them. Push it. Start a war. <laughs> What if fucking Mudvayne they're gonna play the boing 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 song and then call it a day? <laughs> you mean bum bum bing bum bum bing? Bro, bro Mudvayne has some hits, man. Okay, they'll play like fucking uh, Mudvayne. Mudvayne got some bangers, bro. Don't don't even start. Happy, they'll play happy and call Happy's it a day. A but but like the end of all things to come is a good album. Uh, LD 5.0 is a good album. Uh, the one that has happy on, I can't remember the name. Dead or alive against that. The album, it's a good album. Everything after that. that that's man. gonna be a long ass show, man. Because most people that are probably gonna go to that are gonna want to are gonna because I'm assuming Rob Zombie is gonna be headline. Yeah. yeah. And like that dude has year like because he doesn't just perform Rob Zombie songs, he'll perform White Zombie too. I feel I so feel like he has all a he can, lot to pull from. I feel like all he does is play the the White Zombie album. And then everything from Hell Hellbilly Deluxe, because off of those two albums, yeah. I couldn't name a fucking other Rob Zombie song to save my life. Thunder Kiss '65, Black Sunshine. Yeah, that's your that's your two from from White Zombie. He, then you he got he'll play like Dragula, Living Dead Girl, House Dragula, of he'll probably okay. Living Dead Girl, House of Thousand Corpses. He might play Devil's Rejects. Uh, when I saw him, he played all those. Uh, Werewolf everybody's of the SS. Yeah, he's probably um, gonna play everybody's fucking in a UFO. Yep, he played that one. Uh look, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna shit on Rob Zombie. Yeah, sick bubble yeah. such a great song. Yeah. They'll fucking play uh Brick House probably because he does a cover of it and it's a fucking fun ass cover of it. I'm not gonna shit on Rob fun, Zombie. <laughs> I'm not gonna shit on Rob Zombie because as much as like he's like he's a cringy person to me. What I like is fucking me. Like I at least check out his albums when they come out. I'm like, oh yeah, there's good songs on here. Like I could listen to this not all the good, time. He had the good stage. You have show, to be in the mood. The music is quality. Like I don't know how to listen to it, but he has a he has, he a, has right. a niche. Yeah, and yeah. he knows where it is, and he sticks in it, and it works for him. Yep. And like, yeah, he has like stupid ass song names like that are like a paragraph long, but they're usually really good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like, I'm pretty sure on that tour for sure because they're right now Mudvayne. They're doing their whole like we're back and they're they're treading on the LD 5.0 line, which was their the first big album. Uh, they're flirting around that area, so I'm, I'm assuming they'd be playing older stuff. Well, they're also like I'm pretty sure Rob Zombie's last album was called like disco sex in the electric mouse head or something like it's such a stupid name and you're just like this is so stupid but i kind of want to listen to it yeah <laughs> i don't care for 
most of the bands on there. Like I'd go see Static X. I think I'd enjoy Power Man 5000. I don't really care for Mudvayne, but Rob Zombie puts on a damn good show, so I'd go for that. Yeah. I'd, w- I'd want to see what's um, Static X with a new singer. Yeah, the guy from Dope. Yeah. <laughs> Even though they won't say it, but everybody but it's the knows guy from it's Dope. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen a couple of videos of them playing, and he he sounds good. Like That's what I've heard. Like, I've, he does I've heard well. he sounds good, and like when they came to San Antonio, people were like, sounds pretty spot on. Like They dig what they were doing. So. Yeah. All right. Well, if I remember right, Wayne Static's wife gave him a blessing to do it. Yeah, so yeah, I think yeah, that's sure. why like, they're continuing. Yeah, yeah. She she gave the like the okay to go ahead and do it and stuff like that. I mean, his yeah. la- I, I don't think his last name was truly that, but like he was the the name of the band. So yeah, it was him yeah. essentially. <clears throat> uh okay. Let's start with Nightmare Alley. Who wants to go first? I mean, I'll go. I don't have much for it <laughs> but go ahead darling i will you sound, you let me, before very you start let me <laughs> let me say this before you start i will because i know you and i wrote down notes and shit like that usually when i write down notes i at least try to get in the ballpark of 20 to 25 notes so i can better out like type out my final thoughts for this one i got nine i got five and then like <laughs> a very small paragraph of final thoughts <laughs> All right. So yeah, you go, Tyler. <laughs> All right. One. <laughs> Starting off with arson is always good. Holy, <laughs> good that start. was my thought. Talk about a hot start. <laughs> Literally. Uh, Willem Dafoe always surprises me. Like he just always tops himself, even if you know this movie wasn't the best. Like he was still a damn good part of it. Uh, Ron Perlman is 71 years old and still one of the most threatening people I've ever seen. Yep. No, he really is. He re- like your take on Defoe's right and the and but Perlman, yeah, like I'm still scared that Perlman will kick my ass. <laughs> yep. Especially after watching him in like Sons of Anarchy and shit like that. Yeah, like, like, have you ever oh, seen no, Drive? Yeah. I know Joe has, but have you seen Drive, Tyler? Nope. Perlman's scary in that. He plays like an old Jewish mobster almost. <laughs> And he just comes into a pizza pose and you know, I'm going to fuck you up one of these days. And I'm like, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> I need to check that out now. Uh, the gore of the murder scene at the end was very realistic and pretty cool looking. Like, after they uh, run the guy over, and, like, it's just his fucking brain just, like, yeah. spitting out and shit like that. That was cool. That was uh, the dude uh, from Fight Club, too, that they did yeah. that, too, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, great acting and then final thoughts i put i don't really have much to say about this movie it was a very slow burn and too artsy for me i can't really seem to get into the psychological thrillers or whatever you want to label this as it just doesn't keep my attention or really affect me in the way that people who enjoy them describe it to me so yeah that's my thoughts on nightmare out I'll go I don't on. even know if you could describe it as a psychological thriller. I just I don't I don't know what else you could call it other than garbage. You could literally <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll go on it. So I I agree with Tyler. It was definitely a slow burn. I'm not really sure what to define it as because it wasn't. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Like I don't I don't know if psychological thriller is the exact term. I don't that think you that's call the term it. for it now. Yeah, it is an art house art house film for sure. Yeah, but it. <laughs> 
you can almost literally just sum up this movie by saying it's a Guillermo del Toro movie. There's no other way to say it. it yeah. There's it's not a psychological you know, thriller. It's not a horror adjacent movie. It's just a del Toro movie. But the thing is, like, yeah. I, I feel like when you say that, like, like what are you implying? Like, yes, it's a del Toro movie, but to me, I like a lot of his movies that he puts out. And I this get is that. The, this and is I'm the not first saying that's movie. wrong. Yeah, this is the first one that I was kind of like, meh. Because like I said, it was a slow burn. I liked the intro. I liked the intro. I wasn't really too sure what I was getting myself into. Um, I knew there was like a carnival uh, angle to it, and I was like, okay. But which excited me when I first yeah, saw the pre- yeah. previews for. But it didn't last as long as I wanted. I thought that was exactly. Gonna be the whole I yeah. thought that was going to be the whole thing. I was like, is it going to be some just like weird like freak show carnival and people like shun them out until they're trying to survive? But the fact that it's just, you know, this guy comes to hide out in this in this carnival because he's dealing with some past trauma and, you know, he's he's so quick to to move up through the ranks of the carnival and basically become like the lead showman and then takes willing to kill for it. Yeah, yeah willing to kill for it. And it takes the girl and goes off. And I was like, wait, that's that's it for the carnival side. And I was like, that that kind of sucks. Yeah, it I, was want, like- I wanted to see more of that. It was like that carnival intro and then the whole like graveyard scene. Like those were the only good parts of the movie to me. Yeah, because the, that it just the carnival didn't keep stuff my had me the carnival stuff had me enticed. And then yeah. him learning how to do like the whole con, the con trick and stuff like that to read yeah. minds. I was like, okay, that's cool. That was but an interesting they, story. <laughs> yeah. And then when they focus left, more on that. Yeah, yeah. focus more on that. But when they left, that's when they kind of started to lose me. I was like, okay. Then they introduced the a therapist or like a psychologist. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Which, I was like, okay. That character was like, that. the the ending of that character was just like, all right, well, that happened. Yeah. It's, it's, it started to lose me after, after the carnival. And like, I liked when he was like, I wanted to like that part because I thought it was interesting. They're, they're conning this man who thinks he, he can't be outsmarted. But it's I don't know like it was I guess it was just a little bit too out there for me but in a sense it's out there with not a lot of good structure good structure yeah for I, movie. I was honestly like worried that I was going to be the only one who didn't like this like I started thinking that like maybe it was, was wrong no, well not even just that like like I thought maybe my roommates like hyped it up for me because like I watched it basically right before we started recording and I was talking to them before and stuff like that. And I was like, yeah, I got to go watch this movie. And they're like, oh, what are you watching? And I'm like, Nightmare Alley. And they're like, ooh. Like, and Ben was like, that's a fucked up movie. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, you know, cool. I'll, I'll agree that it was <laughs> fucked up. You know, the fact that they were conning this dude to make believe that he was going to see this woman he, he he loved again. Yeah. Pretty fucked up. Yeah. Then they kill him. And they kill his body, man. And but I, th- I feel like it was even more fucked up that Kate Blanchett did, you know, did the guy a dare like that too. Yep. <laughs> but I, I did see him becoming the geek. Not long before all this shit started to happen, like when it was at the, when he got to the main house, I was like, I feel like this is all gonna turn around and we're gonna end up like we're gonna come full circle and it's not gonna go well for him. Yeah. And sure enough, when he uh, when he took off running, and he ended up on the on the train hiding behind the chickens, I was like, "Oh, 
he's gonna become the geek for sure. Like I was like, he's he's becoming the geek. He hit, you know, he was the peak of the carnival at one time. He was he was the belle of the ball, you know, him and the girl, you know, having their little act and stuff like that. But he let he let greed get the best of him because he wanted to just, you know, get the money, be the best, and con this guy. It was becoming too like he was he was in over his head and it fucked him up and look where that got him. Yeah. I'm to just being, I'm know. I'm glad I wasn't the only one that didn't like it because like i'm i know it's obviously more just to do the podcast but like the way brady was pushing it on cole and stuff like that i was like oh god like everybody likes this movie but me no and like not, <laughs> no, not even once not i started to not me. like it like once i started to not enjoy it as much as i did the first hour which is the carnival hour that's when i really wanted you guys to see it because i was like am i wrong like did, gotcha. why do i not like this yeah but i wrote that I, as in a note in my final thoughts of what i thought i about was that, but actually after that first carnival hour and i was like watching i was like i don't know like this isn't this isn't hitting the way his other movies usually hit for me and i was like and i'm okay with saying that like i, I didn't care if i'd been wrong like i was like I, I didn't see it like it wasn't working for me like i said it was it was weird out there but not in a good way for him yeah and i remember seeing these previews like after like I started getting into the movie and started seeing like everybody in the carnival and stuff, I'm like, I remember these like these trailers now, and I wanted to see the movie. But... Yeah, I did too. Like I, I was like, it's a Dalton movie. It looks like it's based on a carnival. I'm sure it'll be creepy. Yeah, I'm in. Like I'm, yeah. in, I'm in for that. But there was none fact, of that. <laughs> yeah, like, I was like, oh, that's a bummer. I like I didn't I didn't realize Defoe and Perlman were in it because I hadn't seen a trailer in a while. And I remember they came out in the trailer. Yeah. Um. So when, when I saw them, I was like, oh, cool. Like, good surprise. I was like, this would be a good set, you know. But then I was like, like, like so after that first hour, sort of fall flat for me. And, you know, the fact that he chose, you know, he chose the girl, took her out of where she was happy. And then, like, was, you know, basically telling her what to do and pushed her around and stuff like that. An abusive piece of shit. Yeah, an abusive piece of shit. And then just to, to hook up with Kane Blatchett and then gets fucked over by her too like yep what are you doing man but yeah like i said i i'm a little bummed i didn't i didn't enjoy this movie as much as i would as a, as much as i wanted to uh and it's a shame because I, I really enjoy a lot of his movies but that's not to say someone else might love this movie yeah it, it just definitely you know, has for, its place it's just yeah but for some reason it just it didn't hit the way i anticipated it to and like I just, you know, I was, I didn't, I wasn't going in with expectations of a specific thing. I just wanted more carnival stuff or I thought it would be a bunch of a carnival. So I was like, oh, okay, well, let's see what this goes. Yeah. And it, it didn't go to somewhere where I thought was good. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I feel like Del Toro's trying to kind of shift his career from like the Hellboy type movies to more pseudo remakes of films that he likes like really old films that he likes because think about it shape of water is creature from the black lagoon no it's an artistic version of abe sapien from hellboy <laughs> so why doesn't he just shift his career that way because that's what i want damn it um redo because, the hellboys hell yeah because i don't i think he knows that they won't do i mean they'll do well but like they're not connected to a universe, so they might not do as well as he wants. You know what I mean? Like they're not connected to like an MCU type deal. 
yeah, and there's no DC like, extended thing to go off of. But I, I feel like Hellboy had like a like a, a solid following. There were good movies, in my opinion. I'm not saying they're bad. Like, yeah, I, no, I'm not I saying they're bad either. But like, I feel like if he would have done like in an art house style, the way like like The Shape of Water. Yes, it's a Creature in the Black Lagoon. But the vibe I get is Abe Sapien because he looks pretty much like Abe Sapien. Yeah. If well, he were to do sure it's like, the same actor, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. Um, but if he were to do like an art house style like that of Hellboy, like give me a dark version, like a darker version of Hellboy, like don't don't fluff it like they did for Hellboy to make it, you know, comedic. Give it to me dark. I'd be for it. Yeah. I feel like now there'd be even more of a better of a audience for that. Definitely. So I wrote down so far the score is awesome and slightly creepy, and the movie literally just started. <laughs> That's about <laughs> probably the only positive I wrote down. Um, uh, the chicken scene was rough. Like I, I was not a fan of that scene. Yeah, me it was a stack. It was a stack cast plus some Boy, usual Del Toro, stack cast plus some usual Del Toro players. Um. I mean, I wrote this down and then I went back and edited it. Uh, I'm enjoying the aesthetic of the setting. And then I came back and I said, dot, dot, dot for the first hour. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I said, William Defoe really likes calling things slash people fucker. He said that a lot. (laughs) Hey, fucker, come here. (laughs) Look at this fucker over here. Um, I thought the polygraph scene was interesting, but could have been better. Definitely. I don't know. I just wanted, I wanted more out of I it. Thought, I thought that, that was That's something cool, out, that could have been cool because like he he's not a mentalist like he thinks he is, but how is he deceiving the polygraph? Like that's crazy to me, you know? Yeah. He was so sure of himself. I'm like, you know, he was so convinced in his own mind that he can do it. And he, he passed the polygraph and I was like, okay, that's pretty fucking cool. Yeah. Then I didn't write anything for a while. Yeah, that's pretty much wrote, how my notes went. <laughs> then I wrote, bruh, what the fuck? And I put in parentheses the murder suicide scene where <laughs> the chick was like, he said we could see him again. So we are. And just like killed her husband and herself. See, I was expecting was it to get so good at that fucked. point. <laughs> that I was part just was like, fucked. I was like, yeah. oh no. Oh boy. That that was when I kind of started to check out a lot more. I was just like, this movie's okay. See, it, um, it pulled me back in there for like two seconds and then it randomly, just again. <laughs> randomly, I don't remember where exactly this happened, but randomly in the middle of the score, you hear the THX noise. Dude. And I was like, Yeah, I was like, what the fuck? Like it was Damn just it. like randomly in the middle of the movie. I think it might have been like a somewhat like slightly intense scene you just hear I'm like what is this huh I'm gonna have to watch um, this again now God yeah, I gotta watch it, it. God damn it. <laughs> no you're not gonna watch all fucking almost three hours of it again trust me I'll try to find it online for you but I'm oh, pretty Steve, sure okay. I heard yeah please do I'm not gonna watch it please do uh I wrote and my final note is terrible ending fucking hated that ending that ending was depressing as fuck mm-hmm. like I knew like I'm like Joe I knew it was gonna happen like like about midway i knew it was gonna happen and part of me was ready for it to happen but part of me wanted it to be he was walking into the office of william defoe 
or Willem Dafoe. That's what I wanted to. I wanted it to and be. And he's yeah, just so Dafoe. like fucked up that he didn't recognize him. So that's why he's doing it again. Like that's why he decides he's gonna become the geek. Yeah. But like it wasn't him, so it kind of took the ending away from me. But also at the same time, like it was just depressing because like it, it's just a depressing ending. But then you have like the factor of like there's the baby in the jar or whatever, so you know his old carnival is just not around anymore. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, like I, I wanted it to be Defoe, and because I wanted that to come full circle, like you know he was, he was the peak of the carnival, and you know he left thinking he can do better. He went through his shit, and now he's at you know bottom of the barrel of it. He all. almost needs to. It needed to go full circle like that to be like, you fucked up and look where you are. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And for like to right if back it where Defoe, you started. If it would have been Defoe not recognizing him, and then laying down the spiel about you know you gotta sell them thinking it's a temporary job we don't really need you just to make them think that you know oh i can do this job better and, and he breaks down but then he starts laughing he's like this this is the job i was born for and i was like it's just like i was like yeah like, like it, it was depressing like for sure it was depressing i was just like it's not i don't know like it's, it wasn't the ending i wanted either yeah um and so my final thoughts that i wrote down was while I appreciate and respect what Guillermo del Toro was trying to go for in this movie, it just wasn't for me. I found it boring and horribly paced. It dragged on and on. The cast was amazing. The first hour is visually stunning and the score was nice, but that's about all I liked. The ending felt rushed compared to the rest of the movie and honestly just super depressing. Between this and the last duel, I thought I would enjoy this one the most. and It was the opposite. Spoiler for the next movie. Um, I don't think this movie performed well at the box office, mostly because I will say this mostly because it did come out the same day as Spider-Man No Way Home to go back to where we started in the beginning of this podcast, right? This type of movie didn't perform well because it was up against Spider-Man with a Marvel movie. Um, but also the movie itself was just very underwhelming. Didn't gain a lot of word to mouth attention to sell the audiences into seeing it. Also, I totally wish the movie had been released back or released in black and white would have at least added some charm to the movie for me, at least, because there is a black and white cut out there. And I've heard people that went and saw this movie in color and went to go see it again in black and white. And for whatever reason, they enjoyed it a lot more in the black and white cut. I think it's one of those movies that like could have worked if it was all entirely in black and white. Right. I could see that. Yeah, I can see that, too. I guess we'll wait but till it hits HBO Max and then they give us the option. <laughs> well, I'm surprised it's not up there with with it. Like, I look right after I watched it. I was like, I wonder if they put this cut up there. And they, I guess they didn't. Just hmm. change the settings on your TV. <laughs> <laughs> Make your TV black and white. It'll be a fine. Adjust show tracking. The HDMI right. cord halfway in. Oh, God. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm almost glad that you guys didn't like it too because i thought i was crazy like what the fuck am i missing with this movie yeah (laughs) like i was not like i was like and then the ending happened i was like man this just got worse yeah i I can see where you see like it like like you said you know the movie dragged out and then to rush the ending that's kind of weird yeah so i don't know man I still think about the fire scene in the beginning. 
nice. That's a nice fire scene. It was. <laughs> That's a nice fire scene. Like I said, arson is a good way to start. Hey, hell yeah. <laughs> All right, you want me to start with the last duel as well? We. Oui. Oh, wait, 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 wait. We how what? many, how many uh, <laughs> notes did you take? Uh, probably like 10 to 12, if I'm just kind of glancing at it. So maybe I should start. <laughs> okay, go for it. I took I have a lot. 21. I have a lot of notes, but they're not like notes the way you guys like. I'm I'm summarizing the movie for myself to kind of like, cause that's what helps. Like I do my talking points off of that. Gotcha. But yeah, you can go ahead, Brady. Okay, so <laughs> the first one I wrote was just funny to me, because if you know anything about this movie, it did not do well in the box office. Um, nope. not because it was uh up against an MCU movie or anything. I don't think. I don't know why it didn't do well. But I'll tell you why. You, it's those damn you ask, kids on their cell phones. Yeah, I was gonna say if you ask Ridley Scott, <laughs> this dude said it's because us fucking children are too busy on their fucking cell phones to give a shit about a movie. So their attention span. And so I literally my first note is yes, I'm writing these <laughs> notes on my phone during your movie. Suck it, Ridley. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> uh, opening battle was pretty dope. Cold open of the movie. Uh, was exactly what I thought it would be, which is a good, which is good and not a knock on the film itself. Meaning, I totally knew this movie was going to open up like the start of the duel and then just cut and not let you see the rest of it. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> so it's supposed to take place in, uh, supposed to take place in France. And while I love the actors involved in it, it's hard not to think, hey, that's Matt Damon. Hey, that's Adam Driver. Hey, that's Ben Affleck. Ugly Ben Affleck. Yeah. Instead of getting lost like usual and watching these medieval slash knights and kings type movies. Um, during the first battle, Matt Damon beating the dude. I wrote Matt dating beating homie with his chain mail is crazy. Side note. How do you wash a suit of armor without it rusting? Like I just because like he's just like beating this dude with his chain mail. just blood splattering everywhere. I'm like, I literally just sat there. I was like, how do you get that off? Hose it down. But it's gonna rust. I don't know. And, <laughs> you and it's always it shiny. It's always shiny and not rusty. So I'm I'm just saying. No, you're you're overthinking it. <laughs> uh Matt or yeah, Matt and Ben made some interesting makeup choices. Very interesting. Very cool hair choices. I reference that too. What was Ben's <laughs> fucking hair in that movie? What was Matt's hair in that movie? Okay, anyway. That was a fucking animal, man. That was great. A lot more action than I was expecting. 30 minutes and you get three battles. Yeah. The cinematography is immaculate is what I wrote in this. And it really was. Um, I'm doing the Capicola. Italian hands. <laughs> Capicola. Uh Ben Affleck talking about <laughs> this part made me laugh. There's that scene where Ben Affleck is talking about Matt Damon. It was during Adam Driver's because if the movie cuts itself into three different perspectives yeah. or it tells the three main characters perspectives, um, which I'll get to later because I kind of had a problem with that. Um, but during Adam Driver's perspective, 
Ben Affleck is talking to him about like who he is as a person or something like that. And it made me laugh because it almost seemed like they were just like, all right, Ben, roast your friend, but make sure it stays within the context of the movie. And it's kind of what it felt like in that scene. Like it felt that. like he was kind of like, oh, after all these years to roast him. Um, How do you like them apples? <laughs> bitch. And it, it, the reason I say that too is because they did write this movie together. Yeah. So it'd be funny if just knowing they were sitting in a writer's room somewhere like, hey, hey you should say this about me. <laughs> um, Adam Driver. That's it. That's the note. Big agree. Just, just Adam Driver. Uh, surprisingly, just enjoying this movie a lot more than I thought it was. Now, here's the thing. My mom, my grandma is a history teacher. My mom is a school teacher, but she loves fucking uh, the queen and king, like the tutors and shit like that. Like I, Medieval so times. Growing up, like I, I literally watched like every fucking pride and prejudice-esque type fucking movie that came out like kings and dragons and medieval shit like i just because she loved the british history and shit like that and so like these movies are like engraved into my head as the most boring pieces of shit in the world and that's why i didn't go i wanted to see this one in theaters i did because of the cast because of batman and uh adam driver i was like damn that's like a fucking hit record right there just like three big people i don't think it opened up anywhere near me or if it did there wasn't enough like time for me to go see it kind of deal so that's why i didn't go see it in theaters but i was also like kind of expecting not to enjoy this film because of the subject matter but i enjoyed it a lot more than i thought i would um let's see structuring the film into chapters was really smart was a really smart idea to tell each party side i like that a lot i did have a problem with it later on but i did like it um i applaud all these actors and how they handled this material like because they had to do that one scene twice from two different perspectives yeah and i know it was intense and but it we'll talk about that once we all (laughs) get a cover on it because i but here's here's where yeah. here's where it's really smart. Should also uh, definitely throw wrote, a trigger warning in there somewhere. But. Yeah, um, I'll do it before I say this one. Oh, because okay. actually, it's literally the next. The um, yeah, it's the next note. Uh, so the movie trigger warning for sexual assault is about Matt Damon's character's wife says that Adam Driver's character rapes her. And so you learn Matt Damon's perspective first because he wasn't there when it happened, but he wants to defend his wife's honor. Then you learn Adam Driver's character's perspective next because you're learning his side of the story. Um, Now, this is where it's really smart. Matt Damon and Ben Affleck knew they could not write the woman's perspective without it coming off a certain way. So they did hire a female uh, writer to write her perspective which i thought was extreme because essentially if you think about it they are making in a way three different movies yeah 
So to bring in a female writer to write in the female version of the movie, perfect. Per- smart choice on them, but also just like, it, it gives a different feel to the movie in a way. A different like emotion. Yeah. Uh, so I applaud Matt and Ben for hiring a female writer to write. Uh, is it Margaret? Is that her name? Like, or what's the Marguerite. real? Like, Marguerite. Marguerite. Yeah. Um, and I... <laughs> I like this part until the end where, so they show you like the, the truth, according to Matt, whatever Matt Damon's character's name was the truth, according to whatever Adam driver's character's name was. And then they go the truth to Marguerite's so-and-so's story. Um, according to, according to this person. And then if, if you notice, they take away her name and just keep up the truth. Yeah. So oh, no, real quick. Cause I wanted to bring that up. They all didn't say the truth. They said the story for Jacques and for Jean. When it came to Marguerite, it said the truth. And that I was swear they thing. all said the truth. No, no, no. Because I, I, I was like, oh, like I noticed because because um, uh, I, I really enjoyed the fact. God that, damn it. Now I got to go watch this again because yeah, I exactly. swear it all said the truth. No, because I was, I, I don't want to say because it's going to go into my whole spiel, but I noticed that and I was like, it said the truth when it came yeah. to Marguerite's part. Yeah, it definitely said the story for the first two. Yeah, it said the story from Jean, the story from Jacques, and then when it came to Marguerite, it was the truth. Yeah. But they I, highlight- I made big note of that in my head, and I was like, oh. This is where I had the problem with it, though. They highlighted that, and I, I love that. But at the end, after the duel happens, and they're riding through the town, the camera focuses on her and on her horse and like she just has this look on her face and it gives you the sense that like because you're still in her perspective at the time yeah and it almost gives you the sense that like they're still doubting what really happened even though they say the even though they made a point to say the truth it was the truth yeah I, but it I still got gave you like during. this weird like doubt feeling and i'm like but i i I like that you said the truth according to because that's important, very important. But you can't leave a sense like if that's if that's the role you're going to take on it. Please don't leave me with a sense of doubt at the end. Like that kind of like rubbed me the wrong way. My thing is because I I did notice that as well. I don't think it's a doubt if there's a question in her story. Was it really the truth? To me, it was. She's, if if Jean lost, she wasn't be. She was to be burned alive. If if Jean won, they're they're told, okay, you're you're free to go. My thing is, is and I'll I'll go into it more so when I get to my side. What if she wanted to die? What if she was like, I'm cool, he won, but really for me, at what cost? Am I truly happy? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I and can that's, see what you're that, that. that's what I took it from. Like you know, and well, actually, I don't, I don't want to go into because it, it takes me, it's about my like the points I made and stuff like that that go into each section. But that's the vibe I got was she didn't look, you know, why should she look happy? Should she yeah. look happy? If so, why? She's she's in a position where she's not happy. And when you put it like that, I kind of like it a little bit more. Better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I do get what you were saying though, Brady. Like I kind of yeah, got I, I that feeling from, like, even but during the like the trial, it. like even during the trial, like they keep like 
grilling her like you know did you get pleasure and stuff like that and like see that seems like really fighting it so that scene really like i hated that like i, I yeah i that. i go into that too but as i got that same feeling there and then like just that whole ending scene kind of like got me thinking about that again so i i know what you mean um the slight dialogue changes between Jean and Marguerite's perspective is fucking smart. And the one that I noticed the most is when they're sitting in like the little town hall thing, right after she tells Jean what happens, he's sitting there all macho Matt Damon is. And he's all like, I got a plan. Just stick to what I say. And we'll be good. But like when you see Marguerite's perspective, it's we, it's not I it's we like not Yes, but like her and I, and yeah. I thought that was smart because it seemed like it was definitely like the the macho male perspective on Matt Damon's end, but on her end, it was more along the lines of he's a supportive husband and he's willing to do something with me to help me figure this out together. Yeah, yeah. It was a you. it was a togetherness, not a right. I'm doing this to defend your honor, right? Kind of deal. And I thought that I thought that was really fucking smart. I, I don't know if you guys picked up on that. That was like the yeah. one. I'm sure there was more, but that was the one that like really clicked with me. I was like, did they that? That's interesting. Um, I fucking hated Matt Damon's mom in this movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, can we have like at, when she was like at, the, at that point when I wrote this note, I was just like, can we have another battle and just let her go fight it? Judgy ass motherfucker. Like, For I real. fucking hated uh the dual scene does make me want to rewatch a Knight's Tale, so bad. Oh, the jousting, man. the jousting. Yes. The first thing Heavy I did vibes. when they started going at each other, I was like, William. <laughs> I <laughs> Heavy vibe. I I Knight's Tale is one of the only like knights and kings type medieval movies that I had watched. I'm pretty sure I burned a hole in the DVD as a child. I, I love, love that movie, movie so it's, much because you know it's a medieval movie, but it's not. Like the Alan Tudyk is time. fucking hilarious yeah, in yeah. it. Awesome. I mean, they're fucking singing Queen throughout half the movie. Yeah, <laughs> I need to go back and watch that. I haven't seen that in years. <laughs> Me too. Oh, and I, I, I'm sure it holds up. Um, I straight up hate Ben Affleck in this movie. Fucking hated him. Man. Just absolutely, he was the his worst. character of a lord. Just oh, god damn it, he was just the worst in his fucking hair. <laughs> Um, the pacing and the structure of this movie is damn near perfect. Yeah, I think I think that's why I liked it so much because I, to me, it didn't really drag anywhere. No, nope. because you're what you're again you're watching the same, essentially the same story play out three different ways, but it because it is the same story three different ways, you know what's going to happen. So the the any chance of like a lull moment is not there. Um. The duel is far more brutal than I was expecting and intense anticipating. Um props a heavy to fucking fight. Props to Ridley Scott for going all out to them for that. It was a heavy fight. And it was like worth I the was, fucking weight. It was. Because we're sitting at like an almost three-hour movie. And I was like, well, I th- and like I said, I knew it was gonna start with like the start of it, and that's all you get until the very end. And I thought maybe five minutes at the very end, but it was the last like 20 minutes of the movie, and I was like, Yeah, all right, like, that was worth it. Like the whole story is really good, but that oh my final thought was, oh shit, that's it. 
that's all it, that that's all <laughs> that's the thought <laughs> because like it, the duel kind of just ends as well and you're just like oh shit that happens yeah <laughs> uh so i said final thoughts i said let me start off by saying this type of drama film so subject matter middle medieval era isn't my favorite at all nor one i seek to watch out a lot uh or seek out to watch a lot that being said the structure pacing cinematography script and acting in this movie are seriously perfect a lot more action than i was expecting which i enjoyed part of me wishes i saw this in theaters i think it would have looked a little bit better on some of the parts in this like with a bigger screen and i have a fairly good sized tv in my room too Mm -hmm. um but I'm glad I was able to watch it at home while using my phone to take notes. Sorry, Ridley. <laughs> I gave it a full five stars. Uh, by the way, I use Letterbox. That's where I write my reviews and give ratings. Uh, you can do one to five stars or no stars. I've been wondering where you what you were doing that on. Yeah, Letterbox, man. I used it for a long time on my first podcast. Um, and then I stopped using it in 2020 because I barely saw any movies. And then we started doing this. I was like, I should get back on it. Cause like I can write stuff down and like share it out like that a lot easier. Um, I gave it a full five stars because it deserves it. But the ending I'm iffy about because it leaves too, it leaves it too open for interpretation considering how they handled aspects of the story earlier in the film. And that's yeah. it. I love this movie. I, a lot more than I thought I would. And I'm really glad we didn't just watch nightmare alley and had this one to go back on because like and i'm so shocked that i like this one a lot more than nightmare alley but i was i was like hyped after this movie i was like okay fuck that was good definitely so going into this movie uh i wasn't really too sure about the plot i assumed it was going to be like uh affleck is a king damon is a king uh, driver is a knight for one of them and it's just like it's the two kingdoms fighting and I was like I was really for like a full on medieval war type movie the entire time yeah so when the when they started with the and I, I figured the end of the movie would be both kings fighting each other that's the last duel that's like the end of the era or whatever so when the movie started I was like oh they're jousting each other there's a whole crowd I was like okay not what I expected and then um when they got into the when they started backtracking and give us giving us a flashback so like the of the first chapter i was like okay so we start with the first chapter of being of uh john which is matt damon's character and we start at the war that they're having across the the little river there um i was like okay let's see where this movie goes it's up you know we're hearing this story this side of the story as it unfolded. It was really draw me in. And so I I usually enjoy medie- like these medieval style movies, but it's been like a long time since I've seen one of these movies. So I was, I had hope for it already. I liked all the actors in it. I like really Scott. So I was like, okay, this should be a solid movie in my book. But as chapter one unfolded, and seeing how, you know, their relation was, but just seeing how, um. Jacques, which is Adam Driver's character, is favored over Matt Damon's character because Affleck clearly has a problem with with Damon, and just seeing him kind of get the shit, you know, the the short end of everything, I'm like that kind of sucks for him because he's getting passed up for some reason or another. Just to watch them, you know, go through time and see, like, oh, you know, Damon 
clearly, you know, he's he has a history with Affleck, but they don't really get too much into what's what's wrong with him. Uh, but they don't have any type of favoritism for him. Everyone kind of, you know, Affleck just shits on him and that's what it is. When it came to the scene when uh, Damon comes back and Marguerite tells him that uh, Jacques Degree raped her, I legit said no out loud because the the story was already kind of had me hooked. I like where it was kind of going. I was like, you know, he's clearly Damon's character has it kind of hard because Affleck doesn't like him. He favors his buddy, Adam Driver. And, you know, like we see Affleck take a part, take a piece of Damon's dowry for when he gets married and he gives it to Adam Driver. Adam Driver takes the captaincy spot that should have been Damon's character because it was his father's by right. And they give it to Jacques. And I was like, that this sucks. And then for Marguerite to say, hey, Jacques came here. Nobody was home. And he raped me. And that, like, that legit shocked me. I was like, that's like, I legit said no out loud. And because that's not what I expected this, this movie to be. Yeah. And then, you know, so the chapter finishes out and it goes into Jacques end. And I was like, I was like, okay. I was relieved that they didn't show the scene during John's part and I was like, okay and but then when I got to Jacques I was like wait are we gonna are we gonna see that I was like I don't think I want to see that so as we get to see the the story from from Jacques side seeing how Adam Driver I guess falls in love with Marguerite and thinks that the feeling is mutual even though she is married to Jean uh, he has it in his mind that nah she she has it for me I think it's fine and so when it got to when it got to the scene leading up to the to the rape, I was getting upset because I was the story had me so like just involved. I forgot it was his from from his perspective. So I I thought that uh, Marguerite was in on it and she was lying to Jean and she was just trying to get rid of Jean, and it was upsetting me. But I was like, oh, I was like, she lied to Jean. I was like, he has it hard enough, and you're lying to him. And then when I got to the scene, like it, I'm not trying to, to belittle a rape scene, but like it, it came off like, oh yeah, he raped me, quote unquote, but you can tell she kind of enjoyed it, but she was going through the, through the, oh yeah, I tried to stop him, quote unquote. But I was like, I had to remember this is from his perspective. So the way he sees it, it wasn't, it wasn't a rape in his eyes. And that's this is where we begin to see um, them in the in the court case because, like I said, I thought this movie was going to be a like a giant war movie, not a we are in court under uh, King Charles, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Under we're we're hearing our court uh, our cases being heard by King Charles in the in the sense that in the the case being um, Jacques Degree raped Marguerite uh, de Carouge and Jean was here to defend her and say that he raped her and Jacques saying, no, I didn't. She's lying. I'm innocent. And when I, when it came to that, I was like, this is, this isn't what I expected, but a much better story 
and I really like it because if it was just going to be like a, just a war fest, cool. But this is really interesting because we don't see something like this very often in these type of movies. And um, the fact that they kind of grilled her and made it seem like it's her fault that she got in this predicament, I thought was really kind of fucked up. And like I said, you're going back to the, you know, they questioned if she actually felt pleasure from Jean, her husband, and did she feel pleasure to Jacques? Um, because the issue was another issue was she wasn't be able to she wasn't able to become pregnant from John, but she gets raped, and now here we are eight months later, and she's with child. And so when we when we get to her side, and we get to see that it's the truth, like I said, I had I had noticed that it was the story from Jean's side, the story from Jacques' side, and now it was the truth from Marguerite. To see what what she's going through, and really she's, I mean, yes, she is the the victim here already, but I had a lot of sympathy for for Jean because I felt like he was getting, like I said, the short end of the straw from from Ben Affleck and he was being, you know, pushed aside because they were giving Adam Driver everything. Um, but to hear it from her angle and to see that she really is the victim in all of this, you know, she's in a, she's in a marriage that she didn't really have any say with, of, to be in. She kind of gets kept in secret because Jean doesn't take her out anywhere. The, they're out and at the party when Jean and Jacques make amends for the first time in, in years is the first time she's really gone out and then watching Jacques kind of take advantage of her when he becomes to the to the rape scene and I was like okay fuck I didn't want to see it this way just you know everything unfolding and you realize she is the victim in all of this and I was like that's this really sucks for her and like Brady said um the mother was a um Damon's mother was a piece of shit because she made Marguerite feel like she was nothing and she kind of needs to just know her place. And then when Marguerite told her that she was raped, she was like, so, so was I get over it. And I was like, no, dude, like that's, that's not it. Like, that's not what you need to be fucking doing. Yeah. But it, it took a dark turn, but I, it just made me, get involved in the story so much and i thought i was going to be annoyed with hearing the same story three times but i loved it because it, you were hearing it from both sides and then you hear what it really happened and what fucking bugged me the most was that when marguerite tells john that he was that she was raped even though he said that yeah we're, we're gonna fight this we're gonna get him taken care of I was like, cool, like he's going to be a good guy. Like he's going to help her get this resolved. But then he turns around and says, take off. Like we're going to have sex because I'll be damned the last person inside you was Jacques today. And I was like, how the fuck are you going to do that to her? I think I forgot about that part. Like just mentally scrubbed it out of my mind because I thought it was so fucking just ugh. Yeah, but like I was like, no, like I got to bring that up because that is it was just so fucked up. Yep. But that's that just whole macho not... thing that Brady was talking about. Yeah. And I was just like, like, I was like, bro, you had the perfect scene. Like in like, I was like, you'd have been perfect dude. But then you're like, Nope. I'm the last dick you're getting today. I'm like, that's fucking terrible. 
that was also the attitude at the time though. yeah and also, so, i was like that's all i was thinking to i was like it's the attitude of the time i get it like but i was like man that's just so fucking rough yep um but i thought like i said hearing both sides of their story and then hearing the truth i thought the pacing was amazing uh like like Briggs said the cinematography was spot on it was perfect i loved how the story was told even though we're hearing the same story three times it was different each time and you're building like you're building what you think is happening until you get the truth and you see it all unfold for yourself and then when we actually get to the to the actual duel it was well worth the wait it was action fucking packed and it lasted a lot longer than i anticipated and i was like hell yeah this is fucking cool but i was really hoping that after Damon kills Driver, because Damon got stabbed like near his uh, near his groin, I was like, is he just gonna bleed out and die? And like they claim him the winner, then he dies right there, and it's like, well, technically he won. She can go free. I was really hoping that both Damon and Driver died. That way, Marguerite can live on her own and ultimately have her best life. I was kind of but, expecting that. That's why I was. You know, I was really hoping for that. But to see, um, but you do kind of, you kind of do get that towards the end because the the epilogue says something about she once he died, like just like three years after the duel or whatever. Yeah, yeah. she never remarried. Yeah, but I was yeah. really hoping he died right then and there because he got stabbed in the groin. I was, and he was bleeding out pretty bad. Yeah, that's the <laughs> other thing too. I didn't say it, and I just picked up on it again when you talked. I. I, I would have been cool with both of them dying because they were both pieces of shit. They opinion. really were. <laughs> like, she was the only character, like, I truly... Like, there's parts in the... At least in his version of the story, because that's what they're trying to make you think, uh, where you do feel bad for Matt Damon's character. Yeah. Because you do... He does get shit on and stepped on a lot. Like, um, especially like that scene where like his dad dies and he's supposed to take some like courtship. He's thing. supposed to get the captaincy and they tell him and no, he doesn't get we'll it. to driver. Yeah. 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 And that was another scene where some of the dialogue slightly changed depending on the perspective. Uh, but like you, you do feel bad for him in like those moments, but at the end of the day, like, especially with the scene, like that you said that I, you know, the mentally, the one I mentally scrubbed out of my head where he was like, I'm not going to let him be the last person to be with you like i thought that was fucked up enough for me to be like during the duel where i was like they could both die here like what would happen and if she does go free i'd be fine with that like yeah and that's because at that point that's she deserves to die yeah she deserves the the life that she wants with her future child not having to deal with because their, their love started out like they both kind of wanted to, at the beginning matt damon and her but then matt damon became a piece of shit and so, like, she kind of wasn't into the marriage anymore. Yeah. And it was, it was definitely like, all right, well, we had our fun when we were younger. Now it's, like, three years down the road and you're an asshole. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, like I said, this goes back to what I was saying about the, the end scene where, yes, he survives, but she doesn't look thrilled. She doesn't look – she just looks like she's there, like she's just – I guess numb to it because I'm, I'm was thinking, she's like, cool, I'm I'm alive, but really at what cost? Like, am I really better off alive with him again? 
and that's the next time that's the end of the movie and i was like god like i i really wish that they would have both died and she would have been able to just walk away like they would have claimed him the winner and then he bleeds out he dies a hero and they let her be like that's how i wanted the movie to end um because like i said she doesn't look super happy obviously but then like i said when the epilogue kicks i was like okay that's fine she you know they had the kid the kid's fine he dies not much longer later okay cool um i think my favorite scene though is when after the they go to war in scotland and they're getting their shit pushed in and john escapes and he goes back to to talk to affleck and driver at this point he is a knight uh but he got knighted at the camp they they knighted someone right before him and they are the the whole group was cheering and talking after that when he took his knee nobody was paying attention everyone was talking and he yells quiet to make everyone pay attention like look god damn it like i'm here too i'm being knighted acknowledge me respect me and everyone watches and there's no real reaction to him after that but when he returns to to uh to affleck and driver they don't call him sir they call him Karouge. Yeah. And he takes much offense to that. He's like, I'm out here bust, busting my fucking ass. The least you can do is call me sir as the knight I am now. And I, I fucking love that scene. The That's fact that one. he finally stood up for himself. Like he, well, I mean, he had been standing up for himself, but the fact that he was like, fuck was y'all. He, was he knighted in the woods? Or I thought he was knighted in the woods. Also, but Ben Affleck also knighted him too, right? Yeah, Ben Affleck did. I remember the wood scene, but I don't remember, I remember the wood him. scene. But I don't not I don't remember him. I I do remember Ben Affleck like, or there, there making was a scene, it official, yeah, or whatever. Okay, maybe they maybe the 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 one of the woods was like, okay, we're gonna give you the rank, and then maybe it was Affleck making it official. But the guys didn't care when he did it in the woods, but he no, was they didn't care when he, when Ben Affleck did it either way. So I mean, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, but he was the fact is he was knighted, and when he came over and they didn't show him the respect that he just he deserved now that he was a knight and that really pissed him off and then finally Jacques was like okay sir I was like Fuck. that was like that was one of my probably my favorite scene in the movie but uh like I said I felt like everything about this movie was very very good I liked the pace of it it didn't feel like it was dragging along each chapter kept me kept me interested and invested in the movie it kept you locked in because you kind of yeah, had to think about what you really saw in the last because... chapter because there was subtle changes throughout right to go for so-and-so's perspective and like i said at the at the end of driver's chapter i was under the like i was in that mindset that it was all a ploy to get rid of jean which like i said even though they had me sympathetic during his chapter as we're watching driver's uh, chapter and we see he's kind of a dick i was like you know what i think i'm okay with this but it's kind of fucked up that they're betraying him like this because i was his like best friend and now this is his wife involved but then to hear just the truth and watch the court case unfold and then get the truth of marguerite i was like oh okay like i'm back in i I love this movie. I thought it was really fucking good. And I think I'm right there with Brady. I give it five stars. Big and I did, use my, I did use my phone the whole time. I'm sorry, really, Scott. If you hear this, really, <laughs> Scott, I'm so sorry. 
<laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and preface this with, I was just kind of putting down my thoughts as the movie was going along. So at, as I, I mean, that's like what going I back too. over them. Yeah. But were I you just, right? Were you using your phone while you're doing this? If so, apologize. For I, I, I was, I, okay. I will not. <laughs> wait, 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 hold on. All right. What's your beef with Ridley? <laughs> You got to apologize to really Scott. Nothing. I just don't want to apologize. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, uh, but, Ridley. Yeah, just going back over them, like, there's things, like, now that the whole movie's over, I'm like, okay, I I get my issues with certain things. But uh, number one, put love the uh, cinematography. Uh, there's, like, a lot of, like, muted colors that almost gave it, like, a black and white feel, like, especially at the beginning. Like there's still color there, but it was. Like, it wasn't but I feel like that's saturated. a common thing in medieval movies. Like, yeah, if it feels black and white because I feel like there's never real, there's never a real sun. It's just like cloudy, but the sun's beating down behind it. It's so it always just, fucking just gray and doomy. It gives you this yeah. that for no white, fucking reason. <laughs> it gives you that white like saturated. And yeah, it it's just beautiful. Like I love that that view for some reason. Yeah, me too. But it feels black and white until there's blood. Yeah, you are you are just watching these movies like God damn, no wonder everyone was killing everyone back then. It was fucking raining and miserable all the time from the looks of it. Every kingdom was in Seattle. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No wonder they're upset. Yeah, (laughs) this one y'all have seen already. But uh, Matt Damon's British accent is bad. That mullet though. What British accent? Real quick, yeah. Exactly. There was no there was no they're in France, they're in Scotland, they're in England. They didn't even try not one fucking accent of anyone. Every now and then Damon would like slip into like what I assume was trying to be a British accent, but just never was. Halfway through the film. <laughs> Halfway through the film, I was fucking expecting Ben Affleck or yeah. Matt Damon to just go straight full fucking like Goodwill hunting and be like <laughs> a Bostonian all the sudden. I'm just because <laughs> the only attempt were when they said their names, but I feel like it'd be like Jean de Garouge. Just the no, no, way no. it's like, even, even, even Affleck was Karouche. <laughs> yeah, but it's just like the, the way they said it, you know, it was Karouche, but it's like this Karouche. And then Jacques de Adam Driver tried at least. Like he died. He, he, did, he, he did try. Yeah. He has like a natural like affliction to his voice that yeah. even yeah. if he doesn't have an accident, it accent, it, it still sounds like he kind of has an accent in a way. Yeah. <laughs> he's definitely sounded the best out of everybody. He's the only but... one I took super serious because of Matt Damon's hair with the mullet. I was like, get the fuck out of here. What was these makeup choices? <laughs> and then Affleck blonde. I was like, cool. It looked like it was Billy Idol trying to be Matt uh, Ben Affleck playing this character. I'm the dude playing the dude disguised. Exactly. I was like, you're the dude that don't look. know what dude he is. But like, after my like initial jokes, I was super vested in them. I was like, okay, like I really like these characters. Yeah, that was what so. I loved about this movie. I was able to make the jokes, but I was like, "Oh wait, I gotta go back. I missed like two seconds because I laughed too hard." At yeah, this I, hair. and yeah. I, I had to rewind it a few times. I was like, "Wait, what they say?" Because I was like, I wanted to laugh, but I was like, "Oh no, 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 no that, that was serious." I rewound. I rewound it to watch Matt Damon beat the shit out of the dude with the fucking chainmail like three times. Yeah. I was like, "What is this? Is awesome." Good stuff. All right, sorry, Tyler. No, you're good. And then, uh, this is what I was talking about, kind of like walking them back uh, retroactively. Uh, I put chapter one was very jumpy. Like they couldn't commit to any scene slash story, but 
now that I know, like, you know, that's only from Matt Damon's perspective, it kind of makes a little bit more sense about why it was really jumpy and stuff like that. Cause he wasn't there for the full story. Like, yeah, that's how I felt too. And I was like, wait, like once, once it all made sense, like I was like, Oh, okay. 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 And yeah. I was like, okay, that was pretty cool. Yeah. So, I, I just, I didn't go, I didn't go back and edit them. I just kind of just jotted down raw. Yeah, no, you're, you're thoughts. fine. You're fine. Okay. But like, I, I can relate. Uh, Matt Damon is as Sue happy as the entirety of America. <laughs> like he just wanted to sue everybody in that goddamn movie. <laughs> he really did. I was like, y'all can sue Matt. <laughs> Uh, what are you suing for a horse <laughs> but a uh, god tier performance by uh, ben affleck <laughs> even if you didn't like his character like he was he was a hateable character because yeah. he was just that good at fucking if, if you didn't like his character he did, he did his job because he was a piece of shit yeah exactly uh chapter two was laid out much better than chapter one uh same with the chapter one was jumpy part um We've already touched on this, but I loved how like the same scenes were not only shot from a di- different perspective, but also acted slightly different. Like, uh, it wasn't just the same shot with like a little bit more. It was just a completely different shot entirely. Loved that. Right. Yeah. Um, like to touch on that real quick. Not to inter- like sorry to interrupt, but like no, you're good. One of the bigger like parts that I noticed that was the scene. Between, yeah. Like. Adam Driver's perspective was very quick paced in and out scene moves on. Yeah. Marguerite's perspective was very follow slowly with the camera step for step into the room, step for step. What happens step for step him leaving and saying what he's like, don't tell anybody please or whatever. Yeah. Like it was a lot. It played. That's why it made me like, both scenes obviously made me uncomfortable, but her perspective made me, and it's exactly what it needed to do in this movie, made me the most uncomfortable because it did play out slower. Yeah. Right. And like uh, like Joe was saying, like during a, like the second chapter, like she, it seemed like she didn't really fight. It did seem like a plan. Yeah. Yeah. It made it seem like a plan. And that was upsetting for me because I thought, I was still kind of sympathetic to, to, to Damon, and I was like, you know, he's, you're betraying him too. I was like, ah, motherfucker. Yeah. But that's I thought like after the fact, I was like, damn, they really had me hooked on this fucking story. Yep. I was like, y'all are good. And uh, real quick to add, like like you're saying, the different paces from Aries' perspective, like, if I feel like it matches the character because you see how jumpy. The first chapter is look at John trying to kind of basically like, you know, work, put out every fire that's popping up in front of him with, you know, dealing with everything. And you look at uh, Driver's character and how it's like, it's very fast paced. He's very to the point, but methodical about everything he does and just keeps moving. And then you see Marguerite's slower pace because she's thinking about everything. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Yeah. And then like, what was it with? chapter three like that scene like definitely a lot more vicious than it was from driver's perspective uh there's more like venom in his words like as he was leaving like it was yeah, more, more like we can't more... get caught it was like don't fucking tell anybody yeah like 
I, I just, I thought that was interesting. Like, and when I, when I came to the realization it, that we were going to see it again, that's when I was like, oh no, like, fuck, it's going to be rough. And like, I was like, I don't want to see it. And like, because I realized now we're really hearing it from her perspective and it's, it's not going to be pretty. Yeah. And I was like, fuck. Uh, the whole trial and the uh, logic behind uh, Marguerite's pregnancy infuriated me. Like just medieval science, man. Like I just fucking hate it. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot something they said. Look, and I, was like, I, I don't. I don't give a shit if we if we lose listeners because of this. But I gotta. I gotta fucking say it. It pissed me off because I know there's fucking people in this world today that still fucking think like that. And I was yep. like, how, how the <laughs> fuck do you think like that? Like, yep. like just ill, just yeah. ill. They, they said <laughs> something about the moon being part of the reason why she, so they said something. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I know what you're talking about. I forgot what the line was. <laughs> I, I just thought it was so stupid. And I was like, God damn it. I was like, men fucking suck. <laughs> <Back then>. Definitely. <laughs> We shouldn't be in charge of anything. We really shouldn't be. <laughs> then another thing I, we've already touched okay, on. You, you say that real quick, but I do, I do love that, that the woman, the Marguerite's perspective, which was written by a woman, wasn't just a hundred percent men suck. Yeah. That wasn't like the take that they were trying to go there. Yeah. Like they legitimately told the story. They yeah. could have done so many different things there, but they stuck to the rest of the structure of the movie and told the story. Yeah. I right. thought that was good. And I, I honestly didn't know that like they brought someone in to write that. So yeah, I didn't know that either. That. And that that made that that makes it so much better for me. Like I thought yeah. that's fucking awesome. Yeah. So sorry, Ridley, but I had to. I was looking up, uh, you know, trivia on IMDb after I watched it too, mm-hmm. because like there was a lot to read about. But like, because it is a true, like it is a true story that like legit happened. Um. So I wanted to read about that. But yeah, I read that and I was like, that is really fucking smart yeah like because i could see that movie coming out and then people getting pissed about some things that happened in it because it was just matt damon and ben affleck writing it and the me too movement happened and ben affleck has had some heat on him from that movement yeah for for a couple years now like it's it's come in and it's gone away and it's come back and it's gone away so to take on this movie i could totally see this movie coming out with just those two writers and someone having an issue with it yeah but wouldn't you be, wouldn't the you fact be that they impressed? had the, the fact that they had the forethought to kind of be like this isn't our story to tell right it's yeah the woman's story to tell so it's smarter if we don't tell that story yeah, yeah. but <laughs> wouldn't you be more impressed if there wasn't and you're like holy shit they pulled that off pretty well. <laughs> I mean, there's always the what if, you know, yeah. but, I, but just... I I actually, I think I enjoy, enjoy is a really weird word to say, but I think I enjoyed seeing that part of the perspective more knowing a woman wrote. Yeah, because I, yeah. It, it's more real, I think more realistic to the tone of what, it, how, it, of it, course, it, obviously it's realistic to the tone of how it should be. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then another point that we've already made over and over, but uh, the duel itself was absolutely brutal and shot extremely well. Yes. It just goes without saying, like, it was probably like 
what maybe like 10 15 minutes of that whole it was movie. it was longer than i anticipated <laughs> yeah. and i was like this is bad i think i think it was like 15 to 20 minutes in the last movie yeah yeah and, and then the last 10 minutes was riding through the riding through the um the town and then the, the town epilogue. and then the epilogue yeah and then uh overall thoughts there's one sentence in here that like i think maybe my brain just mixed things up so i'll probably i'll I'll read it, but I'll probably just say ignore it afterwards. That's what you got. I'm, I'm floating, Tyler. Let's go. Uh, overall, it was an enjoyable, enjoyable movie. I feel like it suffered in its storytelling a bit and not really providing a clear passage of time, as well as with all the jumping around, as well as some this... scenes not really being relevant to the overall story, but more just to show off a battle scene just for the sake of it, which now that I'm thinking about it, I think I may have just kind of mix some things up in my mind and it was just that same battle from the beginning but i, I think, remember I think just so. like some other battle that they just showed but i could be wrong i think you did because my initial issue was i thought it said 1836 when no, they were it was gonna the 1300s have... yeah yeah but i initially thought it said 1836 when they were having the duel in the very beginning when they announced it and then when they flashed back it said 1380 and i was like how the fuck is there a 500 year difference here? Yeah. So, so I had to rewind it. And then I, from then on, I was very careful about writing the years. Cause I, I would pause and rewind it and to make sure I got the years right. Cause I, I tracked all the years in my notes. So I had, I had, it started in, in 1386. The first chapter starts in 1377 when they're at the war on the, uh, Another little war at the lake, and then it moves on to 1380 in Normandy, and then they're in thir- they're in Scotland in 1385, and then 86 is when the duel happens. Okay, yeah. So just disregard that whole sentence because you got it, buddy. Like Did as you I say, was... 1337, 77. Oh, I was gonna say because for some reason I and I don't know why I thought this, but for some reason I thought that they had like part of it take place during the Hundred Years' War. Well, yeah, no. it would have been because thirteen the Hundred Years' War went from thirteen thirty seven to fourteen fifty three. It was between England and France, so yeah. they kind of would have been in the middle of it in the same era. Anyway, yeah, yeah just at, as I was we're like, not history nerds. <laughs> yeah, as I was listening back to y'all, like I was just kind of like, am I remembering some of this wrong? Because like the way y'all were explaining it, like I saw the movie again, <laughs> and I was like, and you're like, wait a wrong. minute, <laughs> but. Uh, Blah blah blah. Uh, this was a movie that I was interested in from the first trailer I had seen of it, and I wish I had seen it in theaters like I intended. But I'm also okay with the fact that I didn't spend money on it and waited to stream it instead. Uh, it wasn't a bad movie in the slightest, uh, but it's not necessarily one that I'll go back to again and again. Uh, beautiful, beautifully shot, but leaves a little more to be desired. Going with what Brady was saying about the ending, like. I don't know. There just could have been a little bit more to it, but that's all I got. Okay. So. <laughs> like I, said, I really, I really love this movie. Oh lot. yeah. I, it was, it was great. <laughs> yeah. It, like it's, I'm just kind of recapping. Like it wasn't what I expected, but I really enjoyed what I got. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, this is a good movie and I definitely want to watch it again. Yeah. I think it's just, it's a tough one to like go back and watch like right after you've seen it. Yeah. Like you have to <laughs> so, give some time to kind of like 
that's also so what I meant. But it's also kind of a tough one to recommend to people to go. Yeah, watch. you're like, yeah. hey, because like I really enjoyed it, but I don't want to be like the guy that goes, hey, you should really watch this movie. What's it about? Well, <laughs> a lot. <laughs> Do you like sex scenes? Because you, you won't like this. Terrible. You're not gonna like this one. <laughs> like. But- don't know if i i if my mom wants to if my mom wants to watch it, i might watch it again but well I you know what don't. honestly when it when i recommend movies i i tell people the bad parts so they can kind did of did you watch themselves. it alone yeah oh i didn't i just wanted to know if you know mari had a perspective or not like if she watched it with you and what she yeah. thought because like mm-hmm. that'd be kind of like an awkward one to watch together I think. No, I'm watching yeah, I mean, depends who you're <laughs> watching it with, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's definitely a hard one to recommend to people. <laughs> like, and I like, think for this one, if I were to recommend it, I'd be like, you. There's a lot of prefaces. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think I would lead with the, and like not in a like of course I tell them like it's it's a good movie. But if you're if you're sensitive to you know sexual assault and stuff like that, I don't recommend this movie at all. Yeah, which of course you know we're all sensitive to that. I mean, I'm not saying I'm not, but if you have, you know, if there's something that might trigger you to to have a a really bad time, do not watch this movie. Yeah, like I said, I wasn't I wasn't expecting a. I will say that aspect of the movie kind of did shocked me a little it, it shocked me too because said, because i was thinking i unlike you you went in thinking oh it's a duel like a king and queen fighting each other type movie i went in knowing it was because they were fighting over a woman but i thought it was because she like i don't know why but the trailers i saw like two trailers for it in the theaters and i thought and i guess i picked up on like oh she he said that she, she cheated he's saying that she didn't cheat it and that's why they're fighting i didn't think it was going to do that and so that's I why i, kind I of can't remember seeing the trailer for the movie i know i did but i can't remember any of it i feel like that's been my biggest thing lately with movies like i see the trailers but i don't remember them anymore so like, yeah. i'm going really blind in yeah i don't i don't remember what movie i was but i re, i don't remember what movie i saw but i do remember vivid i really do remember texting you and Cole at the time and saying, yo, Adam Driver, Ben Affleck, and Matt Damon are in a movie together. This looks amazing. Yeah, and that's when I was like, oh, you got my attention. Yeah, but I don't remember what movie I was watching. I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think I would leave with that and be like, don't watch this movie because I'm not going to recommend and put someone in an awkward situation to where they see that and they're like, what the fuck is Joe watching? Tyler froze. Yeah, I was like, oh, also no. Tyler froze. I just noticed. <laughs> right you now. just texted in the group too. Like, okay, I, yeah, I, just feel my, I feel my watch go off. I was like, what just happened? Well, if that's the case, you want to wrap up then? <laughs> yeah, let's do that because <laughs> I don't know up. what's going to happen. Uh, for Moviecation, I'm Brady. Also, Tyler. Is no, I'm froze. Tyler. Oh, but with okay. Blackjacks and Hookers. Oh. Uh, I'm Joe. Uh, this has been Movication, and I don't know. Remember to live Moss. Yeah, live Moss. This is not sponsored by uh, Taco Bell.
Bye. Mm.